you, Lord, that you've met our needs and are going to meet our needs. Most of all, Lord, we thank you for meeting the needs of our heart, and that is a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Thank you for the offering on the cross that was given for us, where we always have a reason to give thanks for that. And Lord, we thank you for this service and this honor of meeting with brothers and sisters from other expressions of your body and life in this community. We pray, Lord, for your blessing upon every congregation and use this service, Lord, to be a blessing to every person here and to our city and to people helping people. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to Generations Church. It's our honor. Thank you so much to the Lake Granbury Ministerial Alliance for allowing us to host this special meeting this year. We're honored to have everyone that's here, and we're going to have a good time. Are you ready to enter into the service. Thank you for Shake Anderson and Jen Praise for opening the service for us. Thank you so much. All right, at this time, it's my honor to turn the service over to Pastor Mickey Daniel from Acton Baptist. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. Thank you, Shake. And you're going to hear more from them a little bit later. But right now, just so to get everybody involved, if you would take out your hymnlet, that's the center part of your bulletin, that little hymnlet, okay? And we're going to sing together some of the, uh, just the old traditional songs that we usually do around Thanksgiving time. And so um, we're going to sing Come Thou Found right at the beginning. So turn your hymnet, hymnlet one side or the other and you'll find it and we'll get there together. Okay. We're going to need just a little more sound than that. Where do we got sound, Jake? Is that it? Oh, there you go. Okay, let's try that first verse, and it goes, Come thou fount of every blessing, Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, Sung by flaming tongues above. I'll praise the mouth. Pleasure safely to arrive. 
stranger wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger interposed his precious. Amen for that. Now in the last verse. Oh, to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness put a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to those last two lines. Sing it one more time. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts of love. Amen and amen. Thank you, Mickey. It's a joy to be with you tonight. If you have your Bibles, Turn to the Old Testament for the Old Testament reading, Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning with uh, verse 1, and uh, I'm going to be reading from the New Revised Standard Version tonight. This entire commandment that I command you today you must diligently observe, so that you may live and increase, and go in and occupy the land that the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember the long way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness in order to humble you, testing you, to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. He humbled you by letting you hunger, then by feeding you with manna with which neither you nor your ancestors were acquainted in order to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Verse 6, Therefore keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with flowing streams, with springs and underground waters welling up in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land where you may eat bread without scarcity, where you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and from whose hills you may mine copper. You shall eat your fill and bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. Psalm 65, verse 9. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide the people with grain, for so you have prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening it with showers, and blessing its growth. You crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with richness. The pastors, pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flock. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. Thank God for his word, Mary. 
reading from the New Testament. James 1, verses 17 through 18, and verses 21 through 27, the Revised Standard Version. Every good endowment and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Verse 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rank growth of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who observes his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But he who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer that forgets, but a doer that acts, he shall be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this man's religion is vain. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. My name is Father Stuart Smith. I'm Good Shepherd Episcopal Church in Acton. And it is my joy to, tonight to preach to you on a topic, gratitude. Um, apparently there was once a, a reporter who dared to stop silent Calvin Coolidge, the president, as he was coming out of church one day and asked him, Mr. President, what did the preacher speak about? Coolidge said, sin. The reporter wanted to draw him out a little bit, asked what did he say about sin? Coolidge replied, he was against it. <laughs> so if someone asked you what the sermon was about tonight, at the end of it, I hope you can say that the preacher talked about Thanksgiving and that I was for it. <laughs> it has to be admitted that Thanksgiving is not always something that we immediately or easily uh, take on. A little boy sitting at his writing desk with his big chief tablet. You know what decade I'm talking about then probably. With his number two pencil. Can you hear me? Okay. So... Uh, this eight-year-old boy has his number two, pen, number two pencil and his, his big chief tablet, and he's looking at the script that his mother had given him. There were phrases there, actually. One phrase was, thank you, I can really use it. The other one was something like, thank you, I will really enjoy it. And so the little boy takes out his pencil and looks down at his feet about three sizes too big, red and black checkered socks. 
and writes, Dear Aunt Betty, Thank you for the red and black check socks. I will really use them. And he puts his pencil down and he says, Oh, hell. I'm afraid that, that, that was me, probably after, after a, a Christmas morning in which given to me by my aunt was a pair of black and red checked socks. Now, we, we live in a time where, where, especially this year maybe, where we come and say, hmm, what am I thankful for? A wonderful election that happened just the way I wanted it to turn out. A land in which the economy is doing so well. People have jobs. People are happy. Everywhere you go, there are contented, grateful people. The television can't seem to find any stories to do, so they're rerunning bad news from years past. Oh, no. No, in fact, there are crawlers of problems, stock markets and economic problems. There are plenty of local reasons to be worried, to be even fearful. Uh, there is uh, in the land, I think, a spirit of contentiousness all the way around. And we seem to, to feed on it and stoke ourselves on it. We have trials. And to act as if uh, everything was just wonderful would be like a little boy who wanted everything but a pair of nasty oversized socks for Christmas. Yes. God says in Deuteronomy, You shall remember all the way the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not, and he humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He humbles us. He is proving our hearts. He is testing us. In part... God's way is to lead us into a blessedness that is not dependent upon circumstances. True blessedness is sometimes, in fact, disguised in pain and in loss, teaching us who and what we really depend upon. In fact, I think it is somewhat of an American heresy, the notion that enjoying Many, many, many material things of good is a sign of God's favor. When our Lord Jesus hung on the cross, what was his portfolio? When he walked the way of the cross, where was his popularity? When he suffered and died for us, what possessions did he have? What were the signs of blessedness covering him? But I get ahead of myself. We hear in James' letter, I love this, one of my favorite 
New Testament passages. Every good thing bestowed, every perfect gift is from God, from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting. In the exercise of His will, He brought us forth by the word of truth that is so that we might be, as it were, the first fruits among His creatures. God's gift of light where there is darkness Anytime there is darkness, the gift of God is light to shine and break through that. The presence of darkness does not mean God is not with us. The presence of darkness is the silence and the opportunity to call out for the presence and the light of God. The, the light and the good things of God, the blessings of God, come as we experience trial, tribulation, darkness. It's not effervescent. It's not sugary, sweet to the mouth but it's substantial. Spiritual manna it is, deep and abiding. I was thinking before the service, I saw some faces here that I remember from some time back. Some lay and clergy just led in our little block down, down uh, Fall Creek Highway to go to each of the churches and just spend some time praying in the sanctuaries of churches that were not their own churches with the permission of the pastors and to go in and pray, pray for the people there, pray for the, the ministry there, the ministry of the laity, the ministry of the clergy. What a sign that was to me of the, the goodness of God that we can have in a community like this. Christians who long for all the churches to grow and to, and, and to be in a covenant of prayer with one another. That is a wonderful thing, a great gift from God that instead of being, as it were, competitors for, for butts in the pews, we are instead uh, longing for the Spirit of God to fill and transform every congregation in Hood County. Well, and, uh, and that's what's great about being, isn't it, in a group of people from so many different congregations, the blessings of the fact that our God holds no denominational labels. He's the God of those who call upon His name. And how you call upon that, what, how you call upon what kind of ritual, what kind of music, what kind of pattern, what kind of habits, what kind of traditions you have, it's of secondary importance, isn't it? We come to give thanks for the God who gives a second birth. It's what... James is talking about when he talks about being begotten by the Word. Having the, the second birth. It's proper, it's appropriate for Christians to gather around Thanksgiving and thank God for all the good things associated with the first birth, right? A beautiful land. Many of us living with relatively good health. Maybe better health than last year. Maybe at least stable health this year. A roof over our heads, food on the table and more despair. People who live down the hall from us or across the bed from us who love us and put up with us and forgive us. That's a great, that's a great gift to live in a free country, to live in a land where people have the, the right and privilege to openly come together and worship God is, is a great gift from God. It's a great sign of, of, of the provision of God. As I would say, in the, in the natural order, we have it. And it's, it's great. Thank God for it. 
But the deeper thanksgiving we have is for our second birth, for that being begotten by the Word. The light and the life that comes from God. That's what I'm talking about. That burning bush that Moses saw caught his attention. And as he looked into that bush and heard the angel of the Lord, which many would say was the, the pre-incarnate Christ speaking out of that, Moses, Moses, take off your shoes. You're, you're on holy ground in the presence of the living God. The light of God streaming out. The light we will celebrate in another month's time when in deep, dark Middle East, in little hick town, star led shepherds to a rude and crude birthplace for the word made flesh, the light of the world sneaking into the world except for those angels and their great hurrahing nobody in Bethlehem or Jerusalem around the world know anything but salvation came into the world the word of the living God took flesh and dwelt among us every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. Beyond the rain, beyond the snow, beyond the sunshine, beyond every gift that we have in the natural is that supernatural gift. How? Oh, because that, that gift brings forgiveness. It brings hope. It sets captives free. It makes enemies friends. It brings parents who have not spoken to their children in years back to pick up the phone and say, I'm sorry, forgive me. It makes children turn around and go back home and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I abused your trust. I'm sorry I said what I'm so I, I said. Forgive me. The light of the world comes shining on hearts dead and dry apart from the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit which comes from Jesus Christ. That's what we celebrate with our whole hearts. The life that is given by God. The story we celebrate is the story of a love that will not be turned away, that wins through. Perhaps you've heard the story of the man whose, whose wife got tired of the life she was living with him, so she just up and left, packed up her stuff and was gone. Didn't tell him where. He looked for her. He looked around the neighborhood. Someone gave him a phone call to call that was hers. Called, she heard his voice, hung up the phone. He kept calling and kept calling, and she kept not answering. Until finally, a mutual friend let him know that there was a place that he was pretty sure she was living in an apartment. This had been after some time. He'd almost given up hope. We found out where she lived. Drove up into the parking lot, worked, walked upstairs to that apartment and knocked on the door, and she opened the door looked at him and her jaw dropped and he said to her I've been searching for you and searching for you and now I've found you I want you to know I love you come home with me and the look of pain that was on her face melted into tears of gratitude and she said oh I was hoping that you would come for me and I said in my heart if he comes for me I'll know he loves me and I'll go home with she embraced him and got in his car with him and went home. 
we have a lover of our souls who has come after us, don't we? One who was not content to let there be distance caused by our sin. The Father sent the Son into the world to find our hearts and to win us back. You remember that, that, that prophet Hosea who seems like his whole purpose was to have a, a tragic love affair. God says, you go marry a woman who is not worth it. She's a harlot, Gomer. Go marry her. And he married her. And in due time, she ran off, ran back to the life she'd known, prostitution. He said, now, now go buy her back. And in what would have been unbelievably humiliating for a man to do, he went to the slave auction block because she had been reduced to slavery, not just prostitution. He bought her back and took her home. And said, now you stay with me a while. You rest with me a while. And that prophecy, that Old Testament prophet was a looking forward to the mission of Jesus Christ. Straight from the Lord, straight from the Father's an arrow of love to mankind. Say, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Return to me now. Come back. And Christians, this is our thanksgiving. This is our deepest and abiding thanksgiving as a Christian community that we hold this treasure forgiveness and restoration and undeserved love in these earthen vessels. However we may think we look, however we think we have got it together, whatever we think our natural gifts are and skills are, every one of us redeemed son or daughter that God has sent into the world to save. Oh, the thanks that comes up in our hearts. This is, this is more than we can ask or imagine. And it is better. It is better to be disappointed in all of our hopes and expectations in this life for this world's recognition and to have the love of God in our hearts and know Jesus Christ and to know His love. And to have a body of believers to belong to, to have them pray for you and, and, and pray for them, incredible gift. Thanks be to God who gives us these unspeakable gifts. Every good thing bestowed. Every perfect gift. What is a perfect gift? It is a gift that not only delivers us, fulfills the need we have, but brings us into a life we could never imagine. This, of course, is the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of joy. That's why we sing songs with joy. That's why Christians can be unashamedly joyful. Not happy in the happenstance. I've got all things going my way, so I'm happy. i got the world on a string. <laughs> well, if you've got the world on a string... Someone's got you on a string, I'm almost tempted to say. But with this, this new birth from above, we have the unspeakable gift that we are to share. This is what God begets when He begets someone like Him in us. When He makes us new, He makes us like Him. And still remember the time back in my, my young 20s, when I was invited to go forward one time and, and ask if 
the Holy Spirit be released in my life. That, that, and, and, of course, I wanted to do that. And I, went, I thought, well, I'm going to feel some kind of thrill. My little toe is going to kind of tingle and my hair is going to stand up. I went there. And what, what overcame me instead was an incredible gift of love for other people. I began to feel a love that was not of my own design for people I would never design to love. Gosh, the, the most incredible gift of the Holy Spirit is to enter into the life of loving. Wow. So how do we imitate God? We imitate God in our, in our, in our living gratitude, living out our gratitude by loving one another, loving the stranger, loving the unlovable, finding the person that doesn't seem to have anybody loving them. Knowing that we have much more in common with the poor and the forgotten than we have with the famous and the attractive and the superstar. Is it true? It's true. It's true. But living the Christian life is not showing off the new self that God has given us. It is more like beggars going to other beggars and telling them where to get bread, the bread of life. What I freely receive, I freely give. From all the blessings that God has poured upon me personally in this life, I want to thank Him. I want to say He's good to me. He's better to me than I deserve. He pours out His loving kindness. He does it when I'm aware of it. He does it when I'm so preoccupied with myself that He never comes across the field of my mind. And His love is a steady river fed by the blood of the cross rushing into our lives, pouring Himself out for us. So, Father, on this week of Thanksgiving, we pause to give You our heart's thanks for all of the obvious signs in this world and in the natural that You are good. Your creation is beautiful. It takes our breath away. Our circumstances are better than we deserve. But, Father, more than anything, we want to thank you for the adoption of sons and daughters through Jesus. This undeserved grace in which we walk and stand and say, Hallelujah, this we thank you for, Father. And we thank you for more days to speak of you, to live out, maybe sometimes even to walk before we talk, the love of Jesus. We worship you, we praise you, we adore you, and we thank you. Thanks be to God who has given us every good and perfect gift. Amen. My heart's been touched. I hope yours has been as well. It's been a blessing to be here tonight. One of my uh, greatest memories of being in Granbury, we moved here in July of 2004, and not long after moving here, I was asked to speak at the Thanksgiving service in that November of of 2004, and I still remember, Alan, when I said that night, I think you extended uh, the invitation for me to speak. I stood in the podium at First Baptist Church on Highway 51, and I said, the Church of Christ minister is speaking at the First Baptist Church. Lightning is going to strike momentarily. As I look back on that now, I feel very differently. This is my ninth Thanksgiving service with this group and what I didn't realize in November of 2004 that I had moved to a community 
that's generous beyond words, a Christian community that's generous beyond words. I had no inkling at all what a wonderful spirit of cooperation and mutual respect there is among believers in this community. I had no inkling at that time. I've learned so much over the last eight years. So what I would say tonight is very different than what I would have said in 2004. Father Stewart, I had some thoughts about our offering tonight, and after your, your message, I scrapped all of them. I was going to say something to the effect, you know, the economy's tough. Times are difficult. People are unemployed. There is the working poor. I had this long list. I've scrapped all of it. I repented as I listened to your message tonight. And so what I feel is really the most important thing to say as we anticipate our offering tonight, benefiting people helping people. It is a privilege to serve. It is a privilege to give. And furthermore, it is a privilege to partner with each other. We are blessed. We're blessed to give in times of unprecedented prosperity. And furthermore, as the scripture attests to, we are blessed to give when prosperity seems to be somewhat lacking as well. We are just fortunate, period. That's, that's, the, that's my response to your message tonight. Thank you so much. The Ministerial Alliance is instrumental, as you know, in uh, the formation of people helping people. And that's precisely what they are doing. They are reaching out in a number of different ways, uh, touching people who are really struggling right now. Uh, and that's a privilege. That is an opportunity. And we have uh, the blessing tonight of presenting to them our sacrifices, presenting them our generosity, and I hope we can do that in a rich way tonight. Let's pray. Father, we are blessed to be here tonight. We're blessed to have each other. Father, I continue to learn from the Christian community in Granbury a lot about generosity, a lot about sacrifice, and a lot about being mutually respectful. I'm so grateful for that blessing, and I think there are many people here tonight that share in that sentiment. We're thankful for people helping people. We're thankful for all of our churches and nonprofits that are serving those in desperate need right now. It is a privilege as well. We are grateful, Father, for Jesus, and we pray in his name. Amen.
Test. There we go. Okay. I'm going to take just a second and, and turn the service over to you. We do this at my church. I'm, I'm getting them to get more uh, used to it. But, but we're, we're talking about being thankful and um, giving thanks. You know, uh, there's a song we sing, Give Thanks with a Grateful Heart. Uh, count your blessings. Name them one by one. I would love to hear from you. You know, when, when we do our praying so many, so, many, so many times, we just go straight to the, oh, God, help me. Uh, I need this, or, or I pray for it. And that's a good thing. But we need to just start out thanking God for who he is, giving thanks for all the things that he's done for us. And I, I have a feeling if we would do more of that, um, our days would go a whole lot better. Uh, we'd be so much more grateful for just being able to stand up um, and so, I would just like for you to maybe a one word, just shout out what you have been blessed with this year, what you are thankful for. Um, I don't know what that is. Uh, Father, Father Smith took all the good ones a while ago of, of uh, salvation and Jesus and uh, forgiveness and all. But anyway, I, but there are thousands, thousands. I'm standing on my own two feet. I am so thankful that I can do that right now, okay? So, um, let me hear just a few things from you. And treadmills. <laughs> oh, man. Very good. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, we'll say grandchildren in general because everybody's going to, yeah, I, I knew where that was going. That happens a lot, too, where I'm at. Okay, but great. Make sure you tell them that this in the next few days. I enjoy this. I need to hear, we need to hear from each other. Like I said, just just take time to do that. Do that every morning as you, or whenever you do your prayer time or whatever. Just you, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. That's what how that old hymn ends up saying. But anyway, well, take out your hymnlet one more time if you would, and turn it to the other side from the first side that we sang from. We gather together to ask the Lord's blessings. Let's sing together. Why don't we stand and sing? We gather together to ask the Lord's blessing. He chastens and hastens His will to make known the wicked oppressing. Now cease from distressing.
this evening. And uh, I have one little note, too. You may not know, Dr. John Knox is the incoming president of the Ministerial Alliance for next year. And, uh, yeah, give him a hand. That's... <clears throat> so he might tell you, yes, we have come a long ways. <laughs> but we are so blessed, and uh, I appreciate all of the pastors in our association. Yes, sure. Yeah. Uh, so, John will be leading us next year, and we appreciate that fact. Thank you, John. And I, I, I talk to a lot of guys here and there, and there are a lot of places that don't enjoy the kind of fellowship and the camaraderie that our pastors have in this area. So I thank the Lord for that too. Amen. All right, and Larry has requested also that we remember Israel in our prayer and a lot of crazy things going on and uh, who knows but the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful to you. We know that you are the giver of every good gift and that you are the giver of salvation and that it's only by your grace, Lord, that, that we have this hope and this assurance. And Father, we thank you for the privilege we have to fellowship together with such great and loving people within this community of our churches. And I just pray, Lord, that you'll continue to give us wisdom, give us unity, that as brothers and sisters in Christ, that we may make a big impact for your glory in this place. And Father, we do pray for Israel that uh, you will give protection, that you will give peace, and that you will bring uh, the redemption of the nations through Jesus Christ our Lord. May we honor you in all that we say and do, and we ask it all in Christ's precious name. Amen.
Oh. 